Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To be honest, it's the only time. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. To be honest, it's what? The only time. I was going to say. This is brilliant. We're so polite. (laughs) Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. Do you know, I played Miss Havisham at the Edinburgh Fringe, in, obviously in the Great, Great Expectations, and my dad came because he said, well, it'll be the only time I see you in a wedding dress. <laughs> wow, that's, <laughs> that's quite something. I mean, to be fair, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yes, but the context of Miss Havisham's <laughs> wedding is pretty... <laughs> Pretty dark anyway, isn't it? <laughs> Any time I see you in a wedding dress is when you're playing the character that's being jilted. Thanks, Dad. I auditioned for a part one time that was unattractive, overweight waitress, quote unquote. <laughs> and the uh, the direction was she puts her meaty hand on top of his. So uh, I went in for the audition and the, the casting director was like, all right, are you ready? And I was like, to be overweight and unattractive with a meaty hand? Let's do this. And she just looked at me and she was like, oh, and I did the part. And then, and then I was leaving. She's like, thanks so much. I was like, hey, no problem. I can honestly say if I don't get this part, I, I will not be disappointed. Have a lovely day. And I walked out. You say that because my, my 15 seconds of fame in Band of Brothers, my agent said they're looking for a woman, early 50s, pudding-like, not that attractive. You'll be perfect. And I got the role. <laughs> Maureen, you were only 17 at the time as well. I know, that's crazy. But, you know, I went in for the audition, so, I, you know, you've got to help them along. So I had no makeup on, had my hair back in a bun, had on these really unflattering clothes. And it was right next to the theatre museum where I used to work, which sadly no longer exists. And I went in, talked to the, the guy, my boss there, and I said, I'm going for an audition. He went, oh, God, thank God for that. He goes, because I thought you were really ill. <laughs> we were very worried for you. No, just me, natural. <laughs> Good for you, Maureen. 
getting dressed up for the role. I have literally gone for, I don't know how many castings, loads uh, during lockdown. I've done loads of these ones that you have to like uh, self-tape. I haven't got a single one of them. I have literally never sent off a self-tape and thought, <laughs> that's in the bag. Honestly, the amount of time it takes to do a self-tape, do you agree? You spend the whole day, because you've got to learn the lines as well. So you've got to learn the lines, then you've got to film yourself, and then obviously you have to rope Chloe into filming me, right? Okay. And then she has to act. No offence, but sometimes I say to her, listen, could you try a little, give it a little bit of, I am livid. Could you just be livid then? Just give it some oomph so I've got something to act against. And then you've got to edit it down, haven't you? And then you've got to send it off. And honestly, the amount of time it's taken for me to do these self-tapes, and then by the time I send it off, I can think, I haven't got a, haven't got a hope in hell of this, of getting this fucking part. And I've gone to all this effort. And there's a little bit of me that sometimes I send them and I'm like slightly embarrassed. <laughs> sometimes I send them to my agent and go, could you just check this? Because if this is really bad, I'm not going to send it. And she always sends it. She's like, oh, you know, it's a numbers game. I'm like, is it? Is it a numbers game or is it, if I send this, am I not just humiliating myself in front of a group of casting people going, why the fuck did she send this? Anyway, I find them humiliating. And often uh, I've had self-tapes where I've had to um, react. So there's about three pages where so another character is talking. I'm not saying anything, but this is the self-tape. So I'm watching, when I watch myself back, I'm like, have I got a tick? What does my what would my face really do in this situation? I know what my face would really do in that situation. I'd be bored because I'd be like, oh, this, this is boring. You, do, do you know what I mean? And also I know that when they cut this down, the camera's not going to be on my face. It's going to be on the two characters talking. Do you know what I mean? Not my face. Why do costume directors do that? Don't give me a self-tape where there's three pages of another person talking and then one line at the end where I go, I see. Do you know what I mean? That's not fair. How can I deliver a, a, a realistic thing about someone's face? My face is literally either blank or doing way too much. It's it's too, it's too, I, I don't, it's, acting's hard is what I'm trying to say. Acting's tricky. <laughs> it's, the key is to do little, isn't it, Alison? With mm. your face. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I don't, uh, Botoxed people are excellent at acting. <laughs> I never understood the Botox thing. I was like, surely you need your face to move. But actually, for film acting, you don't want your face to move. It's thinking. There's a great scene. Oh, God. It's, I think it's Splendour in the Grass with Montgomery Cliff. I think he's figuring out he's got to murder somebody. And you really see it when he's, that thought enters his head. It's yeah. such great acting. You're like, how have you managed it? But you you see the very moment when he thinks it. I think it, that's the film. But it, it's just brilliant acting. You look at somebody like Montgomery Cliff. Which obviously in real life you don't do. Often you're trying to hide what you're thinking. <laughs> like if you're thinking about whether or not you're going to murder someone, you're not going to go, I hope my face is delivering this information to the person opposite. You know, you, you, you're trying to hide that. In real life, that doesn't happen. We don't do that with our faces. We don't communicate our thoughts by our face to the person opposite, particularly a lot of the thoughts we're trying to hide. And that is actually one of the reasons why we find it very difficult when people don't respond in the way that we want them to. Like, say, for example, someone's in a very traumatic situation and they start laughing. We're like, well, they must be guilty or they must be a psychopath. Or, but because of often the way we react in re real life, you couldn't put on a screen because people would go, oh, that, no one would do that. I don't believe it. So it's often what you're doing is counterintuitive because Maureen said to me, think the thing that you want to think and it will come across on my face. It didn't work, did it, Maureen? <laughs> 
I was thinking it, and yet my face was delivering absolutely fuck all. So I just still, it's it's tricky. It's really tricky. That's why often I think people that can raise one eyebrow, you can say so much with one eyebrow. Can you all raise one eyebrow? I can raise two eyebrows. Look, I can only deliver surprise, which I can tell you in most castings isn't needed. Bristol looks surprised again. I wonder why she's doing that. Or agitated. <laughs> agitated is a very... Those are two things I can do really well. <laughs> surprised and absolutely livid. Those two I, I can deliver like that. I don't even have to think about it. <laughs> what a busy week we've had. What were you up to, Jen, then? I was alone this weekend. When I say alone, I mean I had the children by myself. Chloe left You were me. single parenting. Yeah, that's very different than being alone. Well, I mean, <sighs> single parenting for a weekend is barely single parenting but I'm going to take that because that suggests it was tricky and it was it was tricky Alison you're absolutely right we had fun times together actually and it was really I actually quite enjoyed having them to myself apart from the fighting and the having to get up very early and not being able to pretend to be asleep and put Netflix on so there was a good solid hour of fun times over the weekend no, <laughs> <laughs> we had a good hour over the 48 hours we had a good hour we did stuff together. We made lemonade. We went on a cycle. We cleaned the garden. They've discovered that they've enjoyed cleaning. They said to me, Mama, I didn't realise cleaning was so fun. And I was like, well, that's because you're not really cleaning. I'm doing it and you're watching me. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> then they did a video for Chloe to tell them they'd been cleaning and how I'd been really lazy. And I was like, oh, this is <laughs> untrue. But anyway, we had a good time. Obviously relieved when Chloe came back, but... It was quite fun. I, look, look at me being upbeat. We had a... What can I say? I love my children. You <laughs> That's fantastic. Maureen, what did you do this week? My neighbour came round with a few whiskies. Uh, so with a good old natter. And then, uh, you're like this, Alison, had these little bottles of brandy, which I must have nicked from a hotel or not nicked, but purloined somehow from somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I've been in the cupboard for years. Anyway, I got, I got rid of two of those. And I'm doing this thing where I get rid of one thing a day. So that counted as two days getting rid of because I got rid of two little brandy bottles. So I was like, yes, I'm ahead, I'm ahead. If you go to Maureen's house, on top of Maureen's fridge, she has, I would say, about... Now, I might, I might be exaggerating, Maureen, tell me if I am, about a dozen bottles of champagne. Yeah, and there's some in the fridge as well in the, where the veg is meant to go. A dozen bottles of champagne. Some of them are vintage. Some of them are crew, like, very, very expensive bottles of champagne. I can guarantee they are all flat now because Maureen hasn't opened them and as I said to Maureen it's not like wine where you can hang on to wine for as long as you like you cannot hang on to champagne it basically loses its fizz eventually so Maureen has I would say a dozen dusty bottles of very expensive flat champagne on top of her fridge that she's had since I've known Maureen oh yeah some of, some of them I've had since I've been I was in my 20s so about 12 years and I said to Maureen, get rid of them because you're never going to drink them. You can't give them to anyone. How would that feel mentally for you to try to get rid of those? I got rid of one of them, but that's because it, there was mould all over them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But going back to the other ones that are currently there, <laughs> I'm just trying to establish how, just how, that, how would that make you feel, Maureen, if I came around your house and I just said, all right, come on, let's take these away, okay, and put them in the recycling. How would that, these flat bottles of champagne that no, that no one can drink? I would not be happy. Okay, that would be hard. All right, just checking. I understand. <laughs> I've had one of them since I was 40, so in two years' time, I've had it. <laughs> but see, each bottle is a memory. That's the thing, right? Is that the thing? The objects are memories. Yeah, but I don't, to be honest, I don't really remember. 
apart from the, the really expensive ones, I don't really remember where the other ones are from. Well, then fuck them off and give yourself some shelf space, I say. Look, it's fine. <laughs> we'll let it go. Alison, how about you? How's your week been? My week was great. Honestly, it's continued on entertaining. What has been so fun is I've had a lot of people around. We've been using the gazebo. And look, I forgot how much I love having people in my home. I love entertaining so much. It's been a real joy to like, you know, get nibbles out and prepare things. And like, I I don't know, it's just been really nice spending time with people and... You know, making mimosas. We, you know, a couple brunches. Oh, Alison, when can I come to Manchester and have nibbles and mimosas with you? Talk me through your nibbles. Firstly, I know what nibbles Maureen would have on offer, and I, that twiglets. Yeah, twiglets. It was brunches. So what I like to do is I like to do. I kind of cheated on one of the brunches. I like quiches. To me, a quiche says brunch. So I do. I'll either. I know you don't like quiches. All right, I see Maureen's face. She's not into it. I like to do little tiny crustless quiches. So everyone has their own little quiche. I usually do like bacon. If I can get a maple bacon, I like a maple bacon and vintage cheddar cheese quiche that I will give to people. Then I also like to make a fruit salad with no apples because fuck apples. You know what? Apples are like the filler of fruit. Can I say when you get a salad, a fruit salad is not about apples and oranges shut your mouth i want key i want mango i want grapes i want strawberries i want you know what i mean so i made a, a good fruit salad then we did uh, oh we bought some fancy coffee we bought some creme brulee coffee and then mimosas and then i also did i did i purchased i didn't make it a victoria sponge cake because i always like to have something sweet yeah maureen's back with some cream and some fresh strawberries just to like you know yeah, that, that, that was basically, I won't lie, I did the same same menu two times in a row. But hey, well, you know, that fruit salad's got to go. Yeah, Alison, I'm in the room. I love it. I love everything that you're saying to me. I'm totally down with all of that. Maureen, you can come, bring your twiglets. But I... Um... I love twiglets. I love twiglets, Maureen. They're welcome at the table. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Mimosas. That's a very North American thing to do, isn't it? What's mimosas? Mimosas is orange juice, and you could do Prosecco or Cava, just a sparkly with some orange juice. So kind of like, uh, what did you call it here? Bucks Fizz? Bucks Fizz. Bucks Fizz. Yeah. Bucks Fizz. But to be honest with you, Bucks Fizz sounds shit, okay? If somebody said, would you like a mimosa or a Bucks Fizz? I'd be like, fuck Bucks Fizz. Give me a mimosa. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I had a mimosa in New York, and I was like, what is this? It was a Bucks Fizz. With fresh orange juice, like if you can... Fresh oh, orange juice. It's, it's so not good. like... It, but that's the difference. And it had little bits of orange. And it almost, and also, because it's New York, their oranges taste like orange, you know? They don't taste like, oh, that citric acid. They taste like orange. <laughs> Our oranges sometimes just taste like citric acid. It's like, I think this is what an orange tastes like. But you go there and... Stick it there and you put it in your... And it's... It sounded like we had good weeks, everyone. We're pepping up. And speaking of pepping up, this always peps me up, this section. Jen, introduce it. Yes, it's time to head to Maureen Younger to find out her name about it. I'm going to close my internet. Don't close my internet, Maureen. <laughs> I meant my email. Maureen switches it off at the wall. I haven't put any makeup on. Oh, for fuck's sake, Maureen, it's a podcast. Get a grip. We might have to push your boundaries out a bit, okay? (laughs) Well, this one is um, from a few years back. I got asked to go on a pirate radio station in London. And I assumed, because I'd been doing a bit of Radio 5 and Radio London, I assumed it was just like to to chat, let's have an interview or something. So I went there, it was in South London, and it was over um, a minicab shop. But they denied it, they wouldn't let me in, right? So I was like, God. 
they wouldn't let me in. They denied it was there. And I was like, I know it's there. I'm meant to be, I'm meant to be there at two o'clock in the morning or something. Wouldn't let me in. Eventually, the guy who'd invited me to come along, he arrived. So I got into the building, despite them denying the fact that the, the pirate radio station wasn't there. We we're chatting away, and then it's about time for the what I presumed was his show to start. And then he points out, uh, I haven't come for an interview. He booked me to DJ for two hours, and I hadn't brought any records. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I like that Maureen gets invited to a pirate radio station at two in the morning, and she goes. I mean, I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah, and so no wonder they won't let me in. Predominantly, obviously, all the DJs were black men, and, and I turn up. They obviously think this undercover policeman's a bit shit at a job because I don't even have records with me. <laughs> DJ Maureen. No wonder they're denying that they, you know, that there's there's a radio station there because there's got this middle aged woman, you know, in her in a in a little frock and high heel shoes, no records, going, oh yeah, I'm meant to be here at two o'clock, and they're like, yeah, right. And um, so basically, luckily, this guy had records. He'd, he'd been DJing earlier. So I had to use his records for the two-hour slot. So you did DJ? I did put uh, DJ. I put records on. I mean, that's all I, you what know. What records did you put on? I, I don't know. I had a very limited choice. Oh, my God. I love you so much. She's like, all I have to choose is garage music. So I'm doing the best I can. With... No, luckily, it wasn't that. It was It was kind of the music I, I, I would have played. But he didn't have all his stuff there. So he just had like him, and it was. He said, "I said, well, I thought you were going to interview me." He goes, "It's a radio pirate radio station. We don't interview. Like, why, why would they interview me for fifteen minutes?" Like, <laughs> just, honestly, oh my god! I mean, in your defence, Maureen, they weren't explicit about what you would be doing. They just, what happened was the bloke just went, "Yeah, rock up." Maureen had been chatting to this bloke about music, and he was like, "Oh, she knows a lot about music." So he said, "Why don't you turn up at the pirate radio station and, and you can do a bit at two o'clock in the morning?" And Maureen was like, "Great, I'll have a chat with you at two o'clock in the morning on a pirate radio station." And then he turned up and it was like, "Where are your records?" And she was like, "Oh, I thought we were having a little chit chat because that's what they do on pirate radio stations is they have, is they have a lovely chat." <laughs> That's why people like pirate radio, is for the chit It's for the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have DJ Maureen. I would just love that. DJ Maureen in the house, playing the whispers. I used to play, when I used to, I used to have my own radio show in East London. And honestly, I, every time I do a really long intro about some record, I'd always play the wrong record because I, I hadn't lined it up properly. Or oh I did a classic because, you know, I used to have, I had 12 inches, which I could play, which I used to have in the 80s. So I, I remember doing a SOS band. I did this long intro for the SOS band. Unfortunately, I put it on the B side. So basically, because intros tend to be long in 80s records, it took me about a minute to realise I'd actually played the I mean, anyone that knows you, Maureen, in fact, I mean, I'm sure there are radio stations listening to right now going, this is what we need for a radio station is a woman who doesn't know what she's playing and introduces the wrong records. I tell you, I did um, presenting for Six Music for a year and a half or so. This is a long time ago. And um, the thing I always used to get wrong was introducing the news. And you have to introduce the news bang on. Like, you can't be like, it's three minutes after six and now it's time for the... It's like bang on the news and I would always get it wrong or you know I'd be like and now it's time for the news and then what you'd have to do is you'd have to bring your faders down okay and then you'd have to bring something like a sting up and then bring up a separate mic for the news and I the amount of times I'd go <laughs> and now it's time for the news and my producer would be going like indicating to me to bring up the fader and I would be like he looked, he'd always look like he was waving at me and I'd be like yeah all right mate and he'd be like no bring your fucking fader and also I'd always have my mic on live so I'd be like what, what was that and it was like put your mic down and bring the fucking fader up <laughs> I'm amazed they allowed me to stay on six music for as long as I did because and, and every time I'm surprised people from the news didn't come around and go what the fuck are you 
doing, you absolute bellend? Anyway, in this instance, Morning, you have my full empathy. Look at that. I think that's the first one out of all 42 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. It does happen, everyone. It does happen. That's amazing. Well, well done, Maureen. That's a very good one. And once again, thank you for sharing your be my money moment. But now we must head over to Alison June Smith because it's time to ask Alison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice, I ain't using it. Again, I just want to say thank you to everyone that is sending me in things to look into, things to, uh, you know, assist you with in your lives. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because we're getting a bunch in now. So thank you, listeners. And please, if you got one, just send them in. Send them in. This week's one I really enjoyed, and I think this is a good time for this one because I'm sure there's a lot of people kind of going through this. Here we go. I'm not sure how to support my partner with depression where he's finding that therapy is no longer really working. We communicate, but I don't know how to help him feel hope and to feel happiness again. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think, you know, again, we've been going through a lot. You know, the pando has hit many of us in a lot of uh, interesting ways. So I looked at this and, you know, I got a lot of notes. So I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible. But, you know, the first thing I wanted to address with this is, um, look, if you're there and you're loving someone who is dealing with some depression, the first thing I want to say to you is you got to think about you, number one. It's that whole plane's going down a bit. What do they always say? Put your own oxygen mask on before you put it on somebody else. I want you to think about this because uh, taking care of yourself is so important because you're not going to be able to help yourself or anyone else if you're not in a good state of mind. So it can be really, really tricky, but you got to remember that someone else's depression or lack of happiness is not an easy fix and you can't fix it. That is that is up to them. But you definitely can offer support and, and be there for them. But things I want you to think about, I want you to have some realistic expectations on this. All right. Don't Don't go thinking that this is going to change overnight. So have some realistic expectations. Uh, Lead by example is one way of doing things. So like if you feel there are some things that could benefit your partner, I mean, maybe you need to start doing them. Not nagging at your partner, but like leading by example. I want you to encourage some activity, okay? They, they say, um, what is it, 150 minutes of cardio a week, which I did the math. It's about 21 minutes a day, everyone. 21 minutes a day of walking even can make a significant difference in the way your synapses are firing. So let's keep this in mind for yourself and your partner. Sometimes people who are in a depressive space, they feel very overwhelmed by things. So I I saw this. When you're offering to help, try to narrow things down. Don't just say, like, I want to help you. Be specific, you know. Can you offer to help with, like, maybe household things are overwhelming them? Say specifically, can I, you know, today I'd like to help do this particular thing. Rather than just going, I want to help. That's so overwhelming. And when a person is kind of lost in, in, in thoughts, that doesn't give them any assistance sometimes. So being specific with what you, you can help them with at that moment and maybe asking, what can I help you with right now? 
We're not looking to solve the big problem. I just want to help you right now. These are things to keep in mind, staying in the present. But don't burn out. This is something I really want you to be wary of too. And don't do things that will make you resentful later on because uh, holding in resentments will only make things worse, which also leads me to, like you said, you have healthy communication, which is wonderful, but you must also communicate how you're feeling sometimes. I think people who are dealing with depressed people, they don't want to open up about, you know, how they're feeling or if it's affecting them. Open lines of communication are really important. Um, But when you're speaking to somebody who's dealing with this sort of thing, make I statements. This is a big thing, all right? I feel, I think, not you, you. For example, I felt hurt when you didn't call when you said you would call, as opposed to a statement like, you never call, or you never do this. I statements are a lot more gentler when you're, when you're helping someone through these time periods. Um, stay on track with your own life, okay? I got to stress this again. Do things for you, activities, spending time with people. Can I also suggest if you're helping someone through this time, you might also need some assistance. I hope you are talking to a therapist or joining a group with other people who are helping partners with, with depression so you don't feel alone. You, you got to remember to stay on track with your own life, your own goals. Take time for yourself. This is very important. And I know I'm stressing it a lot, but, you know, it's, it's, it's significant. Start developing a regular schedule. And I've talked about this the other week. If you develop a regular schedule and help your partner to develop a regular schedule and take a bit of time to plan your week in advance, it, it gives you more time and less stress throughout the week. So that is something that maybe you could do with your partner. Now, in regards to therapy, if you feel therapy isn't working, my number one thing is, is this the right therapist for your partner? Because it's like a relationship. So sometimes you've got to date around to find the right therapist. A good therapist will easily give you 10 to 15 minutes of a consultation call because you need to find the right fit. I think in this country, people just go to therapy. They have a bad experience. They go, not for me. Okay, well, maybe that person and their techniques or the way they were communicating weren't for you. So possibly exploring a new therapist might be one thing. The other thing to think about when you're going through therapy is... You can't just go to a session, sit there for 60 minutes and be like, bang, things are done. Therapy requires homework and a lot of work on your own. So I do want to say is your partner, you know, doing the things when they get back, whether it be journaling, watching certain types of movies. Uh, there's all sorts of things. When I was going to a therapist, I would draw pictures. I would, And it feels ridiculous and you feel stupid, but the homework is the most essential part of therapy. If the therapist is not giving your partner homework, maybe your partner needs to go, hey, are we on the right? What, what's your plan? How long do you think this will take before I start to see anything? Can we implement some more tools that I can use? A nice thing maybe for you to do is to go see the therapist with your partner one time. Maybe you can see something between their relationship that they haven't seen, but also maybe you get an idea of what the therapist is like. Maybe go see a couple's therapist. Maybe you two go see a separate therapist that, you know, can just help you through that. That is something to think about. See a medical doctor as well. Can I talk about this? Maybe it's time to talk to your medical doctor as well as a therapist doctor. Maybe you need to combine a couple of things. Maybe it is time for medication. I think a lot of people don't like to talk to their clinical physician doctor about depression sometimes because they're like, oh, I'm dealing with a therapist, but sometimes you need both. The bottom line is, though, also when you're speaking to them, please focus on their strengths and their positive attributes. That is something that at all times you should be doing uh, in regards to them and and 
reminding them of their strengths and the, and the good things about them and just trying to drop that in as regularly as you can because even though they're down in this hole of depression, we know that there's wonderful and fabulous things about them that maybe they aren't remembering and you can just slip that in as often as you can. That is the advice that I have for today. Alison, thank you very much. That was a very tricky one. I think the difficulty with depression is often that you don't want to do anything because you're depressed. And sometimes actually getting out of bed is uh, is hard, let alone going to see a therapist or taking any, well, any sort of, of being motivated or feeling proactive enough to do anything. And I think that's the difficulty about depression is it's not just about, oh, I feel a little bit low today. It's about, it's utterly disabling, isn't it? Yeah, and all consuming. And you can't do anything to help yourself because if you could, you wouldn't be depressed. <laughs> you would do it, wouldn't you? So I think it's it's about having that empathy with somebody that is having or going through or suffering from depression, real actual depression. And uh, and that can be tricky because as you said, quite rightly, this doesn't, it, it's not going to go away uh, all of a sudden. They're not going to have a trip to the therapist or a trip to the doctor or start taking medication and immediately go, hey, I'm a-okay. It can take months, years, or they might just find themselves living with depression. So it's tricky for you as a partner because obviously it impacts on all aspects of your relationship, doesn't it? Intimacy and um, joy and your quality of life. Uh, all of those things are impacted by depression. But yeah, you're right. There are certain things that um, you can do. And uh, also uh, very well put that you as the individual that is supporting your partner, if you don't look after yourself, you can't help them. Absolutely. Because depression is a little contagious too. So that's something you need to remember, you know, like you need to be aware for yourself because it is, it's, it's catching, you know, so it's, and, and always remember the person is not the depression. The depression is, is not the person. It is, it is a thing they're going through. So always remember the person is separate from the depression. Alison, thank you very much indeed. What is the show called? Oh yeah, I've got it. We've been talking bollocks. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone happy with that? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. We're going to talk about TV. Uh, I watched something with Bill Nye on Netflix. It's a series of three films uh, written and directed by David Hare. The films are Page 8, Turks and Caicos, and Salting the Battlefield. And he plays Johnny Warwicker, this kind of MI5 agent. And it's weird. I kind of watched them. I didn't think they were brilliant, but I do love Bill Nye. So I basically watched it for Bill Nye. And I just think the way they talk, it's like nobody really talks like that. They were having these conversations and you just think, is that how people talk? In reality, I'm not sure. What do you mean? I don't know. Like, sometimes when you watch plays, people have these conversations and you're like, I don't think people actually talk like this. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a class thing or something, but I, I just didn't believe that people have these conversations. It was a bit... Anyways, but I, I mean, Bill Nye is always, is always good value to watch. Helena Bonham Carter's in it as well. Uh, Christopher Walken is in there at one point. And, oh God, what's his name? He's, he's in a lot of things. He's play, he often plays the baddie. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Quite a cute looking guy. That really helped. That was really helpful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, it's bubblegum TV. If you want to watch it, it's fine, but it's not brilliant. That's a really ringing endorsement. <laughs> I'm out. I've tapped out of that. I'm not going to watch it. I, I like Bill Nye, but not that much. What have I been watching? Something that you almost certainly will never watch. Um, actually, Alison has been watching it as well. I've been watching Black Summer. <sighs> the second series don't, don't ask me why i watch these i just there's something about the zombie apocalypse which i, I, I honestly it's it's my it's it's so close to my idea of hell that i, I there's this catharsis to watching it and also i think you could take the whole zombie apocalypse and put anything where like it could be like a, a any kind of thing that that means huge upheaval to people i guess i think basically being a refugee would be my idea of hell which is basically what all of these people are but in their own country stateless uh, homeless foodless lifeless uh, no that's not quite right anyway um <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying but the the thing about this particular series and i've talked to alison about this that sets it apart from other uh, zombie uh shows like the walking dead or fear the walking dead those shows are often show you several years down the line after the apocalypse this is right at the start and Honestly, one, the zombies seem to, they have a lot of energy. <laughs> They're fast zombies. They're fast zombies. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. In Fear of the Walking Dead, like a nine-year-old could, could kill them. Just one like heavy hit on the head and they're like, Bleh. but in these ones, they not only do they move quickly, they are flipping strong. Um, so good luck trying to escape those. And the thing about this one is there's very little emphasis on character. And so basically everybody dies. <laughs> Everybody dies. It's done like a, it's it's almost like a, a comic. So they'll they'll start with the, and it will just be a, the screen will just have the it'll just have Sam on it. So you'll just have the name Sam and then we meet Sam and who Sam is. Sam's doing something, whatever Sam's doing. And then you think, oh, right. OK, should I invest in Sam? Is he somebody? And then like literally five minutes later, no, don't bother investing in Sam's dead. Why did we meet Sam? I mean, that's all it is. It's just all of these people's lives, <laughs> the different ways that they die. And their characters are um, unsavoury, aren't they? Mm -hmm. 
Like yeah. everybody, everybody very quickly has decided that staying alive is the one and only thing that's important and they will do anything to, to stay alive. And it's not about that. All that sort of compassion or empathy that was vaguely there in the first series by the second series obliterated. It's gone. And actually, the only people that are left alive after the zombie apocalypse, we've realised, Alison and I, are assholes. There's one character, a, Kore- a young Korean woman in it, who is the moral compass and the, the voice of reason and who you, you don't actually weirdly understand because she only speaks in Korean. <laughs> well, unless you're Korean, or will you speak Korean? And that's quite interesting, isn't it, to have this character that, is, that basically drives a lot of the story, but you don't understand a word she's saying. Some people would hate it. They could do with a little bit of bumping up some of the characters so a that you A little bit of a story or a little bit, yeah. But. Yeah, but it's 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 actually terrifying. I texted uh, Alison on Saturday and I said, are you watching Are you watching Black Summer? And Alison said, yeah, I'm watching it. What, what, what episode are you on? And I went, episode seven. And then I just got a message back from Alison going, stop watching. You need to take her. But this is in two days. She watched seven episodes of like constant adrenaline. Well, that's three. that's three episodes a day, to be fair. That's an hour and a half. That's not that much, actually. And actually, because they're only 30 minutes, the episodes, they're not like an hour. So it's it's not actually that bad. I think I told you, you could watch straight up World War II footage and it would probably be less stressful than what you've just put yourself directly through in the last two days. Like, it was just, you've watched. like I was like, take a break, take a break, take a break. But it was good. Yeah. Even my boyfriend was like, is she okay? <laughs> yeah. Danny was like, tell her to stop watching. Right um, now. She needs to turn it off. Yeah, I did. I stopped watching it and put Parks and Rec on. I thought, oh, that's better. Flipping heck, I need something. I need to lighten the load a little bit. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. And I can highly recommend it if you want to scare the shit out of yourself for a few hours. Make you appreciate your life as it is. And then my horror movie for this week, everyone, because we are talking a little bit about depression. This is a movie I love, uh, 1408, a Stephen King novel that was turned into a film starring John Cusack. A man writing a book about the paranormal travels to New York and stays in a hotel room that has been said to be responsible for the death of all the guests that come to stay. So it is very interesting as this guy, John Cusack's character, is investigating, you know, trying to call out hoaxes in all these haunted places. But he is also dealing with his own depression because he has lost a child. So it's a real journey into people and their minds. It's a great film. It's good. It's scary. There's no gore. There's nothing. You'll get a few jumps in it. But I would recommend this to anyone, especially if you just want to lightly get into horror movies. 1408. Great watch. Especially if you like John Cusack, which I do. Oh, yes. He's gorgeous. And he's just fun. Yeah. John Cusack, gorgeous. Are you, are you yeah. Really? Is that, am I, have yeah. I missed Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. I think he's cute, yeah, but he's cute. I, I like that you're like, he's gorgeous. Gorgeous yeah. is a bit of an overstatement for John Cusack. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I quite like watching him on my screen. He seems like a fun time guy, but I mean, I mean, who... who Listen, you could say as a lesbian, I'm not allowed to have an opinion, but I do, I can appreciate the aesthetic. I can appreciate the aesthetic of a beautiful man. I wouldn't put John there, but Maureen, I'm learning a lot more about your tastes. And they're eclectic, I would say. They are eclectic, yeah. yeah. And if you would like to judge John Cusack's uh, visual aesthetics, you can find this movie on Amazon Prime, everyone. Oh, can you? Oh, yeah. okay. And now uh, it's time to head over to the corner that has been cultured by Maureen. It's Maureen's Cultural Corner. And now it's going to be Maureen's Cultural Corner. Uh-huh. I haven't started it, Maureen. Hello. 
I'm, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> well, thank you, Jen. Uh, this time I'm talking about musicals from Hollywood's, you know, the Hollywood era for musicals, the 40s and 50s. My favourite musical, I don't know if either of you have seen this, is On the Town from 1949. On the Town? No? It's uh, directed by Gene Kelly. I believe it was his first uh, film he directed. Uh, Gene Kelly's in it, Frank Sinatra, Anne Miller, who's this amazing tap dancer. She's uh, some great set pieces here. Betty Garrett, he's hilarious. Vera Ellen and Jules Munchin. It was known because Gene Kelly insisted that they filmed some of it on location, which is very unusual. I think it was like the first time they did that in stage musicals. So, you know, they really are in New York. It's about three sailors who've got 24-hour leave in New York. And then they obviously they, they find their paramours and it's all about their escapades. And it's got great songs, New York, New York, Prehistoric Man, You Can Count On Me. Uh, great songs, great set pieces. The clothes are to die for. I want Anne Miller's wardrobe. If ever I become rich and famous, I'm going to get some tailor to just make all the clothes that she's gotten and so I can have them myself. This next one is A Star Is Born. I haven't seen the recent one, so I don't know what that's like. This is the one that has Lady Gaga. Yeah, ne never hadn't, haven't seen that. I did see the Barbara Streisand one, which was terrible. I've seen the Barbara Streisand one and the... Awful. Are you talking about the Judy Garland one? I'm talking about the Judy Garland one from 1954. Ah, it's brilliant. Right. The Barbara Streisand one is dreadful, though Chris Christopherson is amazing in it. He's quite hot in it, isn't he? He's hot in it and he's got a beard long open shirt and a medallion and he's still he's still sexy in it so that's quite impressive he's a very good actor actually uh, but a star born from 1954 is my favorite that's the second version of the film it's got judy garland james mason love james mason and it's if you don't know the story it's an aspiring singer garland obviously meets a movie star who's on the way his way down james mason and of course as her career flourishes his career just falters and falters and falters great songs when she sings the man that got away which is one of my favorite songs uh She's brilliant. It's a well-told story and it's, I just really love it. Have you seen that one? I've never seen that one. I've, I've only seen the, the, the Streisand. The Streisand one, I, when I watched it, um, when I was a, a lot younger as a child, I, I thought that was the original. Um, and it was only, well, I tell you, I only found out about the Judy Garland one after this other one was released. And, and then they started to talk about how this is, this is one of those movies that keeps getting um, remade. Yeah, because the Judy Garland one's the second time they made that, that movie. That's not even the original. It's a black and wow. white one. Wow. What? Jeez. Are you yeah. joking? So yes. what was the original one? I can't remember who was in it, but it's a, I haven't seen it actually. It's a black and white one. But it's a great story. And the th while you're Googling, I'll talk about the third one, uh, which is High Society from 1956, which again... Okay, Grace Kelly plays this kind of uppity socialite who gets a comeuppance. So it's not a feminist movie, let's put it that way, but it was made in the 50s, so, you know, what do you expect? It's based on the Philadelphia story. It's got Grace Kelly, Louis Armstrong, uh, Frank Sinatra, Celeste Holm, who's fantastic in it, and Bing Crosby. And you actually get a duet with Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby saying, well, have you ever, what a swell party this is. I don't sing, by the way. That A Star Is Born, just to go back to that, you're right. I did not know that. I'm learning so much. 1937 is the original. Yeah, who was it? It's Janet Gaynor, Adolphe Menjou, Frederick March, Andy Devine, Mae Robson. Ah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but yeah, so it's, it's the second one. But High Society, you must have both seen that one. It's a very well known. Yeah, I've not <laughs> seen High Society. I'm sure I might know some of the numbers, but yeah, it's a really, really good. It's a really good film. And Celeste Holm, who plays the photographer, is in love with Frank Sinatra. Fantastic actress. She's in All, all About Eve as well. Definitely worth watching. Um, so those are three musicals. If you haven't seen them, I would definitely recommend. Thank you very much, Maureen. I love a musical.
especially now I'm in my 40s. I didn't really, it wasn't really into musicals in my 20s and 30s. I was like, why do they keep singing these absolute bellends? <laughs> but now, listen, a musical comes on and if anything, I, I get a little bit emotional. You watched Calamity Jane recently, didn't you? No, no. I said to you, Maureen, I watched Calamity Jane. And when I used to watch it as a child, oh, you got confused. I got very confused feelings. <laughs> And, and, and in my, in, even though I was very young, I would watch Calamity Jane and when she was getting off with a guy, in my head I was like, surely she should be with a woman. It, and I was very young and I still had those thoughts. And I, but cl- watching Doris Day and Calamity Jane was, as a child, which I absolutely loved that movie, was a whip crack away. Sure thing, lady. I was very confused. In her buckskins. One of my first crushes was Doris Day. Oh, blimey. Gorgeous voice. Gorgeous. Everything. <laughs> Who'd want to be a Kardashian? That just seems grim. Can we stand by that, everyone? (laughs) It's nearing the end of the podcast. This is what we do at the end of the podcast is we say it's nearing the end of the podcast just to ease people into that disappointment when it's over. That's exactly (laughs) it. This is it. This is the last little bit that you get. And, And because it's the last little bit, we like to treat you and give you a little bit of the Jen Brister. So Jen Brister, we want to know, what the hell is getting your goat this week? Okay, I'm going to tell you what's got my goat. What has got my goat is when I go to the doctors, right? When I go to the doctors and I say to them something like, could I have a blood test to check my estrogen levels? Because I think that the HRT that I'm on isn't working. They say, no, you don't need a blood test. It's all fine. It's not fine. I've literally just told you that I think that there's something wrong with the HRT that I've been given. Could I please have a blood test just to check what my estrogen levels are and then you can give me the HRT that I need. I find it so frustrating that every time I go to see a GP, they tell me that I'm wrong and then you have to fight to get the thing that you know that you need. I know what my body's doing. Basically, I'm on HRT and I have never yet had a blood test to check my estrogen levels. I had gone to the doctors, okay? The reason why I got on HRT, so I said, my mental health, I'm on my knees here. I cannot sleep. I'm having hot flushes. I'm having, at that, at that point, I was having like 20 to 30 hot flushes a day. I said, I can't function. And they were like, finally, right? They were like, yes, but have your periods ended? And at that point, my periods hadn't quite ended. And I went, no, I've still got a period. They were like, well, officially. And I just said, look, just give me something, anything. I, 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 I said, I don't care if it's the lowest dose possible. Give me some HRT. They give me HRT. Shortly afterwards, my periods end, Okay. My periods are over, but they've given me HRT, the dose that I get, so that I have like this pretend period. Well, it's not pretend, it's, it, it happens, but... It's a period, yeah. <laughs> but, but my body isn't producing this naturally because I, I'm, I, I've gone through menopause early, right? Anyway, now I'm getting these hot flushes back. So I go back in, I go, I think we need to check the old estrogen. And they're like, no, we need to get you the minimum dose that you need in order to function. They said, are you functioning? I said, sure, I'm functioning. They were like, well then just carry on as you are. I just get annoyed. Do you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to go private. I've decided. I don't want to go private. I don't want to. And in fact, it's annoying that I'm going to go private because other women who can't afford it aren't getting the care and the support that we need around the menopause. I should be able to go to the doctor and say, give me a fucking blood test, right? Tell me what my estrogen levels are and then give me the correct dose of HRT. You can't just 
give me whatever the minimum dose is, I might need uh, just a, another squeeze more. I just, I find it so frustrating that anything to do with women's health is so, it's, it, there's no investment in it. There's no care. So if you're a GP listening to this, can I say to you that if a woman comes to your GP surgery and asks you any questions about the menopause and you don't know, get on a fucking course and check it out, okay? Just just check it out and then go back and then give women the support that they deserve while they're going through the menopause. And that is what has gotten a fucking goat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, because I think the amount of research that goes into treating people, with met, which is 50% of the population, is minuscule compared to other other things that they look at, isn't it? They don't really look into it at all. Oh, my God. You guys have a cervical test every three years? I have never heard of that in my life. In Canada, every year you go get her, you get your girl checked. I mean, you could ask to have it done in the interim, you know. Yeah, but they put you off. They put you off because I did that and they're like, nah, there's no need. No, I'm at the point now where I just think fucking lie. Don't ever go to the doctor and say the truth. Go to the doctor and fucking <laughs> With lie. With a plan in mind. Yeah, go to the doctor. And if the doctor says, and is everything okay? And are you generally coping? Just go, absolutely not. Uh, I'm not coping. Uh, things are absolutely horrific. Uh, I'm suicidal. And then maybe you'll get your fucking HRT. I mean, because there's no point in telling these people the truth. And whatever the situation is, if you want to get your cervix scraped, I mean, phew, I mean, nobody does, but if you want to, just say, I've had a little bit of spotting. I'd like to get my cervix checked. Just lie. And then you might go, do you know what? I'd, my boyfriend gave me a right good going over at the weekend. That could have been the reason. But I just wanted to get it checked. I mean, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you get what you want, lie. Lie, 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 lie. And be as pushy as fuck. And if you can't be pushy, take Maureen Younger with you. She'll go with you. She is my spirit animal. Whenever I'm in a situation where I think I'm not quite getting the thing that I want, in my head I think, what would Maureen do? i tell you what she wouldn't do. She wouldn't fucking roll over. So be more Maureen in the doctor's <laughs> surgery and get what you need. Amen. The vagine is where life comes from. Let's treat them a bit better. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I don't I don't really understand what that means, but I felt <laughs> it was appropriate time to use it. I like that though. I don't want a witness while I'm getting my vagine checked though. No, I, I want to say no witnesses. Actually, no, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a beautiful ending, I think, ladies. That was a beautiful ending. Women talking bollocks. Thanks so much for listening. Please do continue to like and subscribe on our Acast page wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a wonderful message saying how much you enjoy our dulcet tones, particularly mine. And we're also on Patreon now, so we're going to be sharing extra content and we'd love you to join us there. Join us. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.